Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. We're getting ready to play and we're still learning our positions and the coach who was our PE teacher who wasn't really into basketball, sort of liked field hockey a whole lot more, gave us our uniforms. And our uniforms, I think, had been printed and made 15 years before. They were faded and crimpled and had been washed and put in mothballs a year previously and they stank <laughs> like nothing else. It was a bright blue that in some parts has started to fade and I picked out my number. My number at the time was number seven. So I put on number seven and I felt like a million bucks until I saw the team we were about to play. We were playing Port Macquarie High and they had sponsors on their jerseys. And somebody had given them numbers and names on their back. And we stood there and all the commentary coming from the coach and the players on the other side were, man, we are going to drub these guys because we felt so out of place. Because it seemed like everybody in Port Macquarie, all they would talk about my hometown was how we didn't even deserve to be on the map. That there's nothing worth going to Kempsey for and that, they looked down on us like nothing else. And I remember getting together with my team and we weren't expected to win. We probably didn't have the coaching or the skill. We definitely didn't have the uniforms. My shoes came from Big W. I was wearing Dunlops at the time. They gripped like nothing else. And we started playing and it was pretty obvious that we we're going to lose until one of our players got so angry when he was fouled where he pulled us aside and with choice words, said, if we're going to go down, let's go down swinging. And so in basketball, you get five fouls and then you're sent off. We had no chance of winning. And so every one of our players used their fouls wisely. <laughs> every guy who tried to make a shot, we were there to hack them. We said, if you're going to beat us, you better be able to shoot from the free throw line. Every time they said a derogatory statement to us about where we were, we'd pull up our shorts as high as we could and we'd stare them in the eye and say, bring it on. We didn't win, but we went down swinging. We didn't allow them to squash us. We lost with our integrity, with blood and bruises. And we're proud of ourselves. But the interesting thing was is that we stayed around to watch them play in the grand final, which we didn't qualify for. And Port High, which was the best high school there in Port Macquarie, played another high school in Port Macquarie, one called Westport. Only about 10 kilometres apart, but you should have seen those boys look down on Westport like it was the worst thing on the map. And all of a sudden I started to notice that everybody's pointing at the other trying to squash them along the way. That it almost doesn't matter where you come from. That if you allow it, the narrative and the resistance that comes from the culture you're in will seek to squash you no matter what. So those kids from Westport, their uniform was nice. They could go see movies when they came out. They could shop in the decent shopping centre. But yet the boys from Port High said that the Westport boys were nothing. It made no difference 
that they were 10 kilometres away. And it showed me that every single one of us faces resistance in some form. Sometimes it's been about what's been said to us. Sometimes it's about what we're trying to work through. Sometimes it's about overcoming the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Sometimes it's even raging against the assignments of the darkness and the enemy that would seek to hold us back. And I wanna say to you today with all my heart as a people who choose to follow Jesus for ourselves, we must be people who choose to rage against the resistance to not allow it to squash us and hold us back and limit us, that we actually embrace God for who He is and who He calls us to be. And I feel with all my heart that this is part of the ministry of Jesus, that, that in His ministry, He called and wants to captivate people to a higher level of living where we're able to face the resistance and not just acknowledge it, but actually overcome it, to actually press against, to actually have a bit of gumption It says, not only am I going to go down swinging, but I'm going to stand no matter what. Because the one who stands with me is the one who has never been overcome and that is Jesus Himself. And I'm mindful today of a couple of portions in Scripture about Jesus challenging His followers to overcome the resistance set before them. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this, on that day, See, there's a that day for every one of us. There's a that day where we all choose to either stand against what's coming against us or choose to bow before it. And so on that day, when evening had come, when it had moved into a point of darkness, where the light is starting to fade, where things are starting to go, where our senses are starting to be hemmed in. On that day, when evening had come, He told them, Jesus told His disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. And so they left the crowd and took Him along since He, Jesus, was in the boat and other boats were with Him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no Faith, And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey Him. So the context of this portion of Scripture is that Jesus is in a boat with His core followers. And we know the reality is that a group of His core followers were fishermen, were people who were used to going out into the open water and rowing boats who were used to the conditions of the ocean. And we know that as they go out with Jesus asleep in the boat, they had in them the capacity to overcome. But in the midst of heading out into the deep, in the midst of the darkness, a windstorm arose. The resistance came up in the form of wind and waves. 
and they're captivated by what's around them. Captivated to the point where they're terrified, terrified of what they're about to face, terrified of what's in front of them. That all they can see is the wind and the waves and the pressure that they're under and the resistance that they're facing. And it's in that moment, they choose to wake up Jesus who is sleeping soundly in the midst of it all. Which says to me something about the heart of God. It says to me that there is no storm, no pressure, no resistance that we could ever face that would phase Him. It says to me that with Jesus in the boat, there is a way through. And that in that they engaged with Jesus. And it says something very interesting. It says that Jesus got up. It says that He did two things. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. What a strange thing to do. I can't imagine anybody else considering doing that. I I would open up the app on my phone to have a look when the storm front was going to pass. (laughs) Are you waking me up? Yeah, good luck. I'm just going to hold on with you. But Jesus gets up and positions Himself in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of all the pressure and the resistance coming their way. And He speaks to it. First off, He rebukes the wind. We don't use that word rebuke too often, but it means to admonish. It means to correct. What an interesting thing to do. Could you imagine going down to Safety Bay when it's howling wind and standing there on the edge of the boat ramp, looking at the wind directly, where are you? And admonishing it, correcting it. You terrible wind. You poor thing. It says that He spoke then to the sea and the word there used for spoke means He commanded it. And this is what He said, shut up. That's exactly what He said. He says silent. But He said silent with an exclamation mark, which means He told it to shut up. Now, I'm not telling you to go around to anybody today and say that word. But I am telling you, that's the heart of Jesus to cause His people to stand against the resistance and to have the boldness of faith to command it to shut up. And the moment He says it, everything goes calm. We have to be people who choose to rage against the resistance. The interesting response there is that two questions come out in this portion of Scripture. The disciples say to Jesus in verse 38, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus, don't you care about what we're going through? Don't you care about this pressure and this problem? Don't don't you care? Jesus, don't you care about us? And I don't know about you, but when resistance comes my way, I often find myself defaulting to that question and getting so caught up with the problems that all I play over my head too often is, don't you care, God? Don't you care? 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 And so when you're stuck in that, you lose sight of what Jesus did to respond against it. 
Because it's in the don't you care that we lose sight of the fact that with Jesus in the boat, maybe we could stand up against the wind and the waves and in His Name command it to shut up. Maybe they got so captivated by the resistance that they allowed the resistance to squash them and silence them instead of commanding them or leading them to silence the storm raging around them. Don't you care? Yes, He cares. He cares because He's there. He cares because He's in it with us. He cares because He's there in the boat with you in every storm that you face, in every point of pressure. He is there. He's there. But He's ready to back us up. Because it's interesting that while their question comes to Jesus, don't you care? He asks them a question himself, which seems ridiculous in the moment. He says in verse 40, why are you afraid? Well, maybe because I think I'm going to drown. Maybe because the wind and the waves are, are real. And this is a point of resistance. But Jesus has the audacity to say to His disciples, why are you afraid? And He goes on to say, why? Why haven't you engaged your faith? Because with Him with them, they had opportunity to rage against the resistance themselves with Him in the boat. Church, we are called to rage against the resistance. I remember in coming to faith in my hometown and coming into a country church called Fredericton Christian New Life Centre, which was positioned at the edge of town, right? You had to travel 15 minutes to get there and it was hard to find because we're positioned up against a cemetery. And so you would tell people to come to church by telling them to go to Fredericton Cemetery. Could you imagine giving directions that way? You wanna come to church on Sunday? Yes, it's next to the place that we bury dead people. Come on. Now it was the only distinguishing factor that you could say about that region. Because I remember coming to faith and being so set of fire for Jesus and raging against the resistance and throwing my elbows and everything and saying, why can't something good come out of Kempsey? I got involved with youth ministry in a church that had no youth ministry, became their volunteer youth pastor for seven years without a budget that we funded ourselves. Raged against the resistance. You wouldn't believe how many people told me to stop. It's too hard. You don't know how many people would come to me, spiritual people, people who said that they prayed. And here's what they would often say. They say there's a spiritual darkness over this region and there's a territorial spirit, they would say, a controlling spirit that is too hard to overcome and others have tried to overcome and who are you to think that you can overcome it? And they would call it this, this name, they would say, thus far and no further. They always said it over me because I was this, this wild, skinny teenager with mutton chops down to here who would wear terrible clothes, baggy things. I had this passion to see people encounter God like I had and I wouldn't shut up. I wouldn't shut up. And so everybody who came to me and said thus far and no further, it wasn't from the non-Christians. It's from people within churches who would say, you're too passionate, tone it down. <laughs> Don't you understand how hard it is? Yes, I understand how hard it is. I live here. 
but I want to rage against the resistance. And so I started praying prayers. I'd pray in the church car park when nobody else was around. I'd walk around in the darkness and I would rage against it. And if you came and heard my prayers at that time, in the midst of all the colourful language that I was getting out of my heart because I was so new to faith, I would rage against the resistance and fight for the future of young people in my region. And I would pray to God, let me be to somebody what I wish somebody had been to me. Because all the older youth that I knew, all the young people that I looked up to in town, all they did was say, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And there was no voice. So I wanted to be a place that would captivate and allow people to unlock the voice that God had given them. And we raised against the resistance to the point where our youth ministry grew bigger than our church because we wouldn't accept anything less than to stand against the storm and tell it to shut up. People would say thus far and no further and we would say we're bucking the trend. Why not? See, we can either accept the resistance of our circumstances, the resistance that people would seek to project on us, or we can stand against it and command it to be silent. Jesus says, don't have such low, little faith that you sit in the boat counting your losses before engaging me in standing against. And I know it's hard because you feel the wind and you feel the waves and you feel the pressure. And in the context of that boat, there were other people in the boat that were fearful. It would have been so easy to tune into their fear instead of tuning into what Jesus was saying. But it's available. Why not rage against resistance? There's another portion of Scripture that shows me how Jesus dealt with the pressure that comes through storms. This is found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, verse 33. It says this, Immediately He, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat. Here we go with boats again. And go ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. See, just first off, Jesus drew His strength from something not of this world. If any of us are in a position to overcome, we have to work out where we're drawing our strength from, where we're drawing our rest from, where we're drawing our life from. And in the midst of all the demands on Jesus, in the midst of giving out and meeting needs and ministering to the crowds, He chose to separate Himself to go up to a meeting place with God Himself. If you wanna rage against the resistance, find out where you're drawing your strength from. Because if you're drawing your strength from this circumstances, everything going well, everything being in its place, I think you're going to be disappointed 90% of the time. Because we live out our life in a broken world where storms rage. And if we're looking for circumstances to be ideal before we set out, we're going to be holding ourselves back of divine opportunities where God wants to work in and through us. Get on the mountain. Meet Him, because He wants to meet with you. After dismissing the crowds, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Well into the night, He was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land. Here we go, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Battered by waves because the wind was against them. On this occasion, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When His disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. Have courage. You know, I think courage is something you have to take hold of. I don't know if anybody can give us courage. I don't know if I can take courage from you or whether I can give you courage. We can give encouragement. We can inspire, we can build up, we can challenge, we can attempt to lead together. But courage is something that individually we get to take hold of or not. And again, presented with fear, Again, presented with something that they could not explain. Jesus is walking on the water, coming towards them. Is this a ghost? No, it's Jesus Himself. And Jesus' response to their fear is, have courage, take hold of what's available. It is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, with boldness, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. And he, Jesus said, come. I've got to pause there for a moment. It's interesting to me that as the disciples are captivated by fear, as Jesus offers courage in him, Peter's response is, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out. And if you notice there, Jesus actually doesn't command him. Jesus invites him. He says, come. It's interesting that Peter is looking for a command. Tell me, Jesus, to come out to you. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I don't know about you. Sometimes I live my life looking to God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. But if He just tells us what to do all the time, it short circuits our ability to listen to Him and work it out with Him and wrestle in prayer and say, God, change me. You're not a robot being told what to do. You're a human being with the Spirit of the living God living inside you and He wants to change you along the way. He's not interested in telling you what to do. He's interested in leading you in how you can respond. And Jesus does that through invitation. Come. Everything in the Kingdom of God is invitation. We get to choose what we take hold of or what we don't. And Peter looking for a command is instead given an invitation, come out. Come. Climbing out of the boat, Jesus started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. First off, I've got to say, what a victory. What an amazing step of faith to walk on something that would cause others to sink, to have the boldness to take Jesus at His Word and say, if the invitation's there, I'll take hold of it. The faith was real. And if it stopped there, it'd be a story completely built on victory. 
But the good news of the Bible is that it captures people in the midst of all their brokenness and all their mistakes and all their shortcomings so that it can inspire us to know that God does not give up on them and He won't give up on us. It says in verse 30, But when he, Peter, saw the strength of the wind. See the strength of the wind. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, he didn't wait. He didn't hesitate. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. See, as each and every one of us have the opportunity to rage against the resistance, there are some times that we're in storms that we have to stand against it and tell it to shut up. And there's other times where Jesus would invite us to walk on the waves and cut through the wind, to take hold of Him at His invitation and to take hold of the type of faith that says, Lord, if You're inviting me to, then it must be possible for me to. Because You would not invite me to fail. You'd invite me to the win. We have to rage against the resistance because we get what we tolerate. We become what we allow. We live to the level of what we accept. And if faith is real, then we can stand and tell the storm to shut up. We can stand and take Jesus at the invitation to walk on the points of resistance and pressure that come our way because we're called to live our faith and not be spectators to it. If we're all in the boat, the ultimate heart of Jesus is to invite us to join Him on the water and to step out in a faith that overcomes all points of resistance. I want to finish with this thought comes out of Mark chapter 15, verse 33, as we march towards Good Friday and about all that Jesus has accomplished for us. And I'm mindful that for each and every one of us, we get to choose how we respond and how we live. And then we're called to rage against the resistance and we have to be mindful of where Scripture talks around the fact that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour that there's points in our lives where we'll be travelling on a path and be presented with a roaring lion and the roar of the lion is meant to invoke the type of fear that paralyses us and stops us along the way that would cause us to turn tail and run. But we're actually called to be a type of people that grab at their heart what it means to follow the one who was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah and to stand against the roar of the enemy with a roar that comes through us by the authority that Jesus has given us to cause the obstacles to fall in our way. See, when you're coming up against resistance, don't take that as an opportunity to fall back into fear. Take it as an opportunity to press on with faith, to push through, to roar back. That if they said you're going to lose, then throw your elbows. 
Go down swinging. And in that, you will not go down if you take hold of Jesus. There's another portion of Scripture in Ephesians that says the reality is that we're surrounded by darkness around us. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil and spiritual forces in the heavens. Sometimes the resistance you're facing is unseen. There's seen and unseen. The seen resistance sometimes comes from those around us who say thus far and no further. But then the unseen says the same thing. We are fighting a battle that goes beyond what we can see. Do not allow it to overcome you. Rage against it. Allow Jesus to build through you a life that stands no matter what because of what He did. I want you to listen to this as we bring this to a close and invite the team to come and join us. It says in Mark 15 verse 33, after Jesus had spent a week of ministry after He had been welcomed into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, where people had said Hosanna, where people had worshipped God, where people had laid down palms at His entry and his, He was triumphantly received into the city of God. Jesus is ultimately betrayed by His friends. He's abandoned by those who said that they would stand with Him as they're captivated by fear and drawn away by resistance. And in the midst of all that, Jesus persevered. Persevered to be unfairly tortured. Persevered to be forced to carry His tool of execution through the city of Jerusalem. Forced to be nailed to that thing and then strung up in front of people and exposed before everyone. Broken and tattered physically, but not broken and tattered in His heart as He is raging against the resistance by being a light in a dark place to accomplish the victory that nobody could overcome. It says this, On the day that Jesus was crucified, when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabak tani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, at that point, all the darkness, all the brokenness, all the pressure, all the resistance fell on Jesus Himself. And He felt it and He experienced it. And he embraced it. It says, when some of those standing there heard this, they said, see, he's calling for Elijah. They're thinking that Jesus is trying to get out of this. He's not trying to get out of this. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick and offered him a drink. They said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. And in verse 37, it says this, Jesus let out a loud cry. Jesus let out. Jesus let out. Jesus let out. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed His last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing opposite Him saw the way He breathed His last, 
the way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. See, when the disciples saw Jesus calm the storm, they asked, who is this man? When they saw Him walk through the wind and above the waves, they acknowledged He was the Son of God. And here in the greatest act of resistance one could ever have, one of Jesus' own captors couldn't deny the reality of who He is, God with us. The light broke through the darkness. As we march towards Easter, I want to invite you to consider joining me in raging against the resistance around us. To stand against the storm and tell it to shut up. To walk in the midst of the wind and the waves and not surrender to the distractions around us that would cause us to lose focus of who Jesus is and who He's called us to be. That would cause us to look down at the waters, at the depths, instead of looking into the heart of God Himself. Light in a dark place. To stand with the one when the day he was crucified in the midst, it says at noon where everything went dark. So the truth is, he raged against the darkness by being light itself. And when he gave up, he did not give up. When he released his life, it was not in defeat, it was in absolute victory because He took on Himself all the points of resistance we could ever face in our lives, all the things that would separate us from who we are called to be. And He bore on His body the punishment of it all and resisted it to the point of death at the cross. Nobody took His life from Him. He gave it up freely because He loves us and He desires us to live out of that same victory. And so Jesus stands in the wind and the waves and invites us to stand out with Him. And I want to encourage you, do not live such a low life that you allow the resistance to rule you. Be one who rages against the resistance around you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.